Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered ChampaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Deadlines new Hollywood podcast. My name is Dino Ray Ramos. And I am Amanda Ndika. Um, you guys, this podcast is another, it's a great one. Um, Riz Ahmed. It's one for the books. It is one for the books. <laughs> so we have, for this podcast, we have the the Emmy winning, or Emmy winning actor. Emmy winning, Emmy winning Emmy actor. Winning actor. For the, yeah, yeah uh, Riz Ahmed. He's starring in this new movie called The Sound of Metal. Um, it's on Amazon. I think by the time this recording is out, it's going to be yeah. Gonna be, yeah, so it's, it's already dropped. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is very. It's about he plays a musician, a drummer who starts experiencing a really drastic hearing loss, um, and then he has to sort of, you know, navigate through that um, this new world that he that he's he's now in. Um, but obviously, you've seen Riz. Um, he's been in. You know, he was in Venom, The Night. So of, many things. Your favorite Star Wars movie. Uh, <laughs> Rogue One. Yeah. Venom. Yeah. Girls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's been he's done a lot, and he's done a lot. I mean, for for South Asian representation, I mean, he's he's and he's just so thoughtful and very thoughtful. You know, I'll be honest, he, he he's he's on another level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he's giving us different ways of thinking about things, and it it was just so interesting, especially when it came to like you know being growing up, being a first generation, even the way he approaches his 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 roles. I mean, he's. It's a very, it's a very different way of thinking, and I and I appreciate that. Yeah, it, it's you know I don't want to say like oh, oh my god he sounds so smart because that's not <laughs> that like insinuates that he wasn't smart to begin with. No, but it's just that his like the thoughtfulness and what he's. I think it also comes from the fact that he is a poet and he's a rapper. Yeah, yeah exactly. He's, um, he's just like he's like I think he's the epitome of what an artist is. It, yeah, and it's like. And it's, he's not pompous about it at all. He's just, oh, it, it, yeah, and he was wearing a dope jacket. <laughs> <laughs> um, this album, if you guys haven't seen it, you need to check out um, this video on YouTube. It's called The Long Goodbye. It's from his, it's from his album that or he uh, released earlier this year. Um, yeah, this, we were, like in March? We both, like, yeah, I think, yeah, I believe it was, yeah. It, but we were both like, this is amazing. The lyrics were, it just it just really spoke to you. It, it based, it, I mean, and he talks about it too, the way he sort of approached his, his music. And like I said, it's a different way of thinking. And um, like it's 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 just very it's just very he just offers this really new fresh perspective and I and I like I said I really did I yeah really hearing that you know and it's also inspiring in the way he presented it it's like oh he made me want to do more 
you know, uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, and it, it's it's just so amazing. And Sound of Metal, he had to go into the world of drumming in a punk rock band and being deaf. Um, so he, like talking about him talking about navigating those two worlds simultaneously is, is so interesting. And yeah, I, I, this this movie it's out on Amazon already and. It's really, it deserves a watch. Yeah, he's yeah. getting he's getting a lot of Oscar buzz, so I, I really encourage everybody to check it out. So without further ado, here is Liz. Liz, thank you so much for uh, joining us today and for being on uh, the New Hollywood Podcast. I'm excited to be yes. here. I, I yeah. listen to the podcast and, and um, yeah, I'm excited to to have a chat with you guys. Yay. Yeah. Oh, and I think right before this, <laughs> Amanda sent me the link to yeah. the video <laughs> for the long goodbye. We'll get and into that. I was just, <laughs> yeah. And I watched that right before I got on. So I was just like, oh shit. We were both like, this definitely speak. We're both Im uh, from immigrant families. And we're like, this is like, this is amazing. This is, this is every immigrant's experience through the, through this. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, we can get, we can get into that later. But um, first I want to ask you, like, how, how are you doing? How, what are you, what have you been up to? I'm doing good, man. Thank you. know, I'm, I'm feeling grateful. It was my birthday yesterday. Um, oh, happy birthday. Yeah. Happy thank 21st you. birthday. Yeah, thank you, man. <laughs> Crazy. I'm an adult. Wait, what, si what sign is this? What sign is this month? I, I don't know. Okay. Okay. Oh, I'm cool. speaking Sagittarius. Um, Sagittarii. <laughs> Um, yeah, like, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I just wrapped on a, on a shoot out here, so I'm grateful to be working and also just feeling a lot of gratitude just for, it's been such a tough year. It's been a lot of, you know, a lot of suffering and, and there was some, we had some losses in my own family, but also just feeling grateful to the, in a weird way, this is a madness of this year has brought us closer to each other. I feel like a bit way brought us closer to ourselves yeah you know what really matters to us being clarified you know i think of that um you know like buddhist monks have that saying where it's like live with death by your side mm -hmm. and i think that can sound kind of morbid but in a way we've all had this kind of we're living with mortality right on our shoulder right now and so yeah. i feel like it's been very clarifying at least for, yeah. for me personally definitely this has definitely been i think a a life-changing year for for mm. a lot of people you know um and hopefully you know next year we can take all the the, the bad or the, you know that we've that we've taken in this year and and and, and learn from it yeah, yeah exactly hopefully we can learn from it um but so we um on the deadlines in Hollywood podcast we love to hear um stories from people who come up especially people who, you know, um, don't come from families that typically encourage um, the arts. I know a lot of uh, first generation um, families that are uh, immigrants, like I, my family's from Nigeria. We never really talked about arts and entertainment in this house. It was a no-no. Um, so, <laughs> so for you, where did you sort of find your passion for, for performing? Because I mean, you, you don't just act, but you also, you're, you, you do music too. Well, isn't it isn't it interesting actually when, when we talk about that because you're right in that often when you're a child of immigrants you know the the mission is to kind of get on stable footing get on stable right. ground yes. build, right and if there's anything that this game is not it is stable you know mm. and if there's anything that is not is actually often is not meritocratic you know right. um not many industries it can be very nepotistic and if you don't have a foot in the door it's it's a bad idea yeah. So I sympathize with that. My parents were as anxious as any sane set of parents in their situation would be. 
but they were also very supportive and they were also, mm. and they've always been very proud and very supportive. Um, but it's interesting when we talk about that because on the one hand, we think of our backgrounds, um, you know, perhaps third culture kids or whatever minority, minority backgrounds as not encouraging the arts. But if you actually look at what the daily life and existence is like in those households, it is filled with Isn't it? music and Culture, film and yeah. song and dance. And the one thing that we often have in the global South, if we don't have kind of economic self-reliance, if that was taken from us right. through colonialism, what we still have is our culture. And our culture, cultures are ancient, rich, unique, and world-beating. So it's almost like the one thing that we have that no one can take away from us is mm. also the one thing that you're told not to rely on, which that kind of doesn't make so sense. You've gone to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never even thought I about never that. thought of it. Yeah. yeah so I was, was going to say, I never thought yeah. of it like that. Yeah, it's a tremendous, you know, and, 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 and in many ways, actually, I think, you know, the African American experience has been a, is a tremendous blueprint for minority cultures around the world who are looking mm -hmm. for a roadmap to dignity and a map that no one else can kind of continue. Mm -hmm. You know, is your, mm -hmm. your self-expression, your song, your dance, that, that can provide a home yeah. when you feel that culturally you belong. You can't bring your full self in one or country or city, the place where you can bring your full self, your home becomes the culture that, yeah. you, that you can create. Right. Um, so in, in a way, yes, it may not have been explicitly encouraged, hey, go become an actor, go become a musician. Um, day in, day out, what you're, what you're soaking up are, you know, songs and spirituality and the performance mm. of ritual and you know Bollywood just as there is Nollywood and, and all this kind of stuff and, and so it's in your bones even though if it may not be written down and given to you on a piece of paper. Right, right. And we were just, uh, I mean, we were just mentioning this, but we, we Dino and I, we watched your, uh, the long goodbye video right before um, we, we spoke to you and we we're both like, this is such a powerful and telling video. And like I said, it, it I, I know you were focusing on, you know, um, 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 identity, uh, London identity, but this is something that I feel like anybody that comes from an immigrant background and, and also with this notion of being a foreigner in a place that you uh, you actually helped build, I think anybody mm -hmm. that like like I said that comes from um, I guess minority if you want to call it that um, background really really can relate to relate to that that um, that sort of notion and that idea. Where where did you where did you find your your voice and like you said your self expression and, and sort of where did you, what was the impetus to you to you becoming a um, a, a performer and, and 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 using your your platform to talk about these really really important social topic you know it's it's, it's it's that's a huge question i feel like uh, i feel like i want to get into a therapy session if i <laughs> yeah, right. Right now. oh we're Let's just starting we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna get deeper in a minute <laughs> well um well you know well, it, well, i mean i guess i'll start with with the long goodbye and i'll, and I'll yeah. say that that's a kind of maybe a good example of something to talk about um that could maybe answer a lot of the different points in your question. So the long goodbye, you know, so uh, I make music as a spoken word artist and a rapper. And, you know, um, I try and kind of tie together, you know, we we're talking about sometimes if you feel like you don't belong anywhere, you need to create a place of belonging. And for me, I've, my work has always been a, a mission to cultivate the no man's land that people like us occupy mm -hmm. and cultivate and turn it into 
a home. Um, and so what I try and do is take, you know, UK grime, drum and bass, uh, you know, those London music genres and also hip hop that I grew up on and marry that with Bollywood, Bangra, Sufi devotional music like Qawwali. And so I've been making music like that for a minute. And, and the Long Goodbye album is on one sense, you know, to touch on another point in your question, it is me talking about social or political topics. But the thing is, that's not how I get into it. I'm just talking about my personal experience. And what I find mm. is interesting is often, you know, I don't know, um, Taylor Swift or whoever, Miley Cyrus might talk about their personal day-to-day -day experience, but it may not be seen as explicitly political mm. because it's a familiar experience. But if I talk about my daily experience and it happens to um, take in the fact that I got stopped in the airport again today or the, on the news headlines, my, my nephew's watching and saying, you know, Mamu, is that me with terrorists or whatever. That is also, that's my daily personal experience. And as an mm. artist, that's all I'm talking about. And it's just so funny that that gets deemed to be a political um, uh, song or a political movie when actually it's political in the sense that it's not, um, it, it's not, you know, the same old story. You know, yeah. maybe that's subversive in itself, but it's really me as an artist, just like any other artist, just talking about my personal day-to-day -day experience and reflecting my reality back to the world. And so the Long Goodbye album is basically a breakup album. Mm. It's an album about feeling like the country that you call home is breaking up with you. And as you said, oh. I talk about it from the specific British context, just to make it honest and specific, mm. but is very much an album I think Americans can relate to, the Indians can relate mm. to, the people yeah. from the Philippines can relate to. A lot of mm. people feel like their country is breaking up with them right now, a country that you yeah. helped build. And so to, to go with that album, we, we created this short film, um, The Long Goodbye, um, which is kind of an extended music video. And proud to say we just won a couple of awards for it. The director nice. is someone who I hope you interview in the future, Anil Karia. Um, up and coming, amazing South Asian director from London. And, um, and yeah, it's, 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 I guess an ex example of like you know, a piece of work that is me trying to just get things off my chest, work things out for myself, you know, build a home for myself in no man's land. And that's what my art is about. It's about, it's a cathartic experience for me. Um, and it just so happens that my reality is one that is politicized because my existence is politicized. Yeah. Certain yeah, people, yeah. our existence here in these spaces is a controversial thing. So I just talk about that and some people receive social and political, that's cool, whatever. Um, but what drives yeah, yeah. me to make work is, is just that need to, to understand m myself and the world a bit better. Mm. Yeah, yeah it, it's so yeah oh sorry go on go sorry man <laughs> ask a question but if you want to if you want to make a statement go ahead oh no i was gonna say the beginning of the the video the the extended video i was telling amanda i was all this is every single immigrant family like getting ready for something all the aunties are there the girls are upstairs getting you know y'all are getting ready i like connected with that so well you were moving yeah. the furniture and they're like oh what are you doing and like you know it's there was something very home about it, but then it gets disrupted. And that's when, you know, kind of the story comes in. But I was just telling Amanda when I was watching it at first, I was like, oh, this is fun. You know, this is, this is, like, this is like me. Right. And then boom, something right, happened. Right, right, right. <laughs> who, who are some of your influences, like your, your musical influences? Um, Most Def was a huge influence on yes. me. Um, you know, I was actually just kind of uh, discussing his album the other day and about how it returned to, to Black on Both Sides the other day. and 
and as I'm as I'm an older man now, I understand it better than when I did the first time around. It's, these are timeless records. This is timeless material that defies genre, that defies a stereotype that people might place on him as a black man, as a Muslim, as a rapper, as a singer. Um, always kind of confounding expectations, switching it up. He's a, he's a chameleon whilst also always being himself. That's what I love. You know, I love it when someone's someone's the well that an artist can draw on is so deep and so wide that they could be pulling out totally different flavors the whole time, but it's still always somehow them. And I feel like that's some, that's a superpower that we have. Those of us with complex identities is I can always be me. I can talk like this and dress like this and I'm me and I'm talking like this and dressing like this. It, it's a, you know, we have these different sides to us. I remember on his track, um, Love, I was just listening to it again. I realized, well, man, he's quoting bell hooks on this. You know, I only just went and went read bell hooks like last year. I was listening to this as an 18-year-old, and now it's like, wow, I'm understanding it even more deeply. I think one line is, um, is it the pain of too much tenderness that makes me nod my head in reverence? Should I visit this place in remembrance or build landmarks here as evidence? We build it now for the promise of the infinite. You know, we build it now for the promise of the infinite. It's, it's, it's timeless stuff, you know, and um, anyway, he was, he was a big influence on me uh, musically. Another tradition that I've really drawn on, again, is, is, is the Afro-Caribbean um, sound system culture in mm -hmm. London, which is a huge influence. You know, it, it's, it's hard to overstate the impact of, um, of that culture in the UK mm. um, to the extent where, you know, people like me will grow up in a predominantly brown neighborhood, but all the slang I'll be speaking is Jamaican slang without even knowing it until mm -hmm. I'm, you know, later on start leaving that neighborhood and have my eyes open to it similar to toronto maybe in that way it, you know yeah, yeah. um and so drum and bass music um in particular this one band that if anyone's interested in checking out called four hero the number four and then hero and what i loved about them is they're kind of continuing that tradition of almost afrofuturism that bands like sun ra had where they got like yeah we're making like rave music for the club and we're talking to aliens with this yeah. <laughs> and, we're, and, and we're from the future <laughs> like i just love that you know i love this idea of because so often our stories and our art is kind of seen in this, this almost kind of anthropological way like oh wow it's like documentary realism this kind of but i love this idea of like liberating yourself through this imaginative leap you know this kind of Afrofuturist kind of leap of like, mm -hmm. um, no, if my con current conditions aren't ones of liberation, I will imagine myself into a space, into outer space, an outer space of liberation, you know? Um, and so Four Hero were, were a big impact on me as well. Oh, wow. <laughs> You're just dropping a lot of knowledge on us right now. So I'm trying to take it in. <laughs> um, well, you know, like, you know, a lot of, you know, children of immigrants, people of color, Queer people are often told, you know, when we're coming up, uh, that not to rattle the cage, right? Uh, keep your head down, do the work, don't cause trouble no matter what. Um, but I think we're still slowly starting to see that change. Mm -hmm. But early on in your career, being a person of color, being an immigrant, were there moments where you felt like you had to bite your tongue so that you didn't disrupt anything? Um, or do you think you were, uh, do you think, did you like, follow a rebellious route um, or just because like I know I mean I think me and Amanda talk about this how we you know there are times when we just don't say anything or in our past we don't say anything because yeah. mm. we 
it feels like we're not allowed to. Man, we've and, all been there. Yeah. We've all yeah. been yeah. there. Yeah. You know, we've all been there. And that's an act of survival. That's not something yeah. we should be ashamed of. That's a way of navigating, te- you know, landscapes that are not of your own making and that you're not able to mm-hmm. shape, you know. Um, things are changing now as there's more of us in that landscape. And we're also, you know, as I said, building our own homes out of what was previously no man's land. And that is a landscape we can shape. But we've all been in those rooms where we're the only one in the room. We've all been in those rooms where, um, uh, you know, someone said something and it's like, I'm, you know, I'm going to pick my battles. Yes. Um, you know, it's, it's, an, it's an act of survival. Survival requires strategy. You know, no one should be ashamed of that. And I think sometimes we give each other too much of a hard time. Yeah. you know mm-hmm. um, ourselves when people need to kind of pick their battles and strategize yeah so why aren't you on you know level 10 like ready to kick down the door the whole time it's like because <laughs> like, i'm gonna break my foot if i'm kicking <laughs> that's right? a good I way to put it this foot as well i need to yeah. stand on this foot you yeah. know um so i think we've all been there and i you know i can think of a million little moments but i think the thing that's most insidious and most consistent is the ways in which we don't realize we're editing ourselves Mm-hmm. Is the way we might change even the way we talk or um, might not fully represent our point of view on, on, a, on a topic in a room because we feel it might alienate us mm-hmm. or make us stand out. That's the stuff that I've become more aware of as I've got older. Not the conscious, I'm biting my tongue, but like, oh, my tongue's in between my teeth. I didn't even realize I put it in. <laughs> those moments where you kind of like go, okay, how can I stop editing myself right now? How can I bring all of me to this? And that's what, to be honest, you know, the work that I've been doing more recently has been very liberating in that sense with the Long Goodbye short film. You know, it's so unapologetic. Um, many people were like, oh, you sure you want to do this? Like, and, and it's always the case that the stuff that's most unapologetically you is the stuff that connects the deepest with people. Um, yeah. So in a way, what, what, I, what I would say to anyone listening is those moments when I have felt able to unbite my tongue has been the moments where my words have traveled the furthest. Mm. Oh, dope. Yeah. 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 And, um, also you, you made history, you know, as a first man of Asian descent to win an acting Emmy for the night of, which, you know, to this day, I think is one of the best limited series I've seen. Um, congratulations on that. I mean, I know it's been a while, but still, (laughs) it's still like rings so true. Um, when, I mean, there were, we are going through a lot of these firsts, right? Like, you yeah. know, first black woman to do this, first disabled person to do this uh, and, and, and all that. But when you won that um, for the Asian community, specifically the South Asian community, it was like a huge deal. Um, but what were you thinking at the time? Because were you freaked out? Were you proud? Were you scared? Were you just like, I don't know what I'm doing up here? What, like, and like having to now... I would see like it's like a default that you shouldered that you know like oh we're looking to you now that kind of that kind yeah of thing. yeah it's interesting isn't it because that burden of representation is also a tremendous gift yeah. in some ways mm-hmm. it's always double edged right it's it's a tremendous privilege to know that the work that you do might carry a significance beyond just the work you know that it might kind of um, you know help certain people feel seen and heard that have not felt seen or heard otherwise or um help inspire them or help just in its own incremental tiny way towards stretching culture towards stretching our collective consciousness that's a tremendous privilege man a lot of people don't have that you know across the bear 
but also it can be paralyzing because you find yourself second guessing what if you're doing right by those people and what those people might need and and um you know it's it's a kind of shift that i've kind of made as well recently where i've thought less about that representing mm. and more about presenting myself mm-hmm. you know and realizing that actually it's impossible for me to represent others if i as an artist cannot fully just present myself on the first step towards that kind of freedom is actually to look within rather than kind of crowdsource you know from what you think your people might require of you uh. and, and and it took me a minute you know and i think there's been that shift in my music and a shift in my work as well um you know i've got this film that i just made called mogul mowgli which won't be out mm. in the u.s till next year but it's a very personal piece and you know for a long time i was thinking about how to do a a big story, a grand canvas about Brit- the British Asian experience. And I ended up kind of honing back in on, let me just tell my, some of my story, man. Mm-hmm. And actually let me trust that the specificity and honesty of that will, will, will resonate. And, and so I don't know, I think, I think it kind of works in stages. Cause I think when you, when you put in that kind of position of like, you're the only one in the room, you're the only one in the newsroom, you're the only one in whatever it is, whatever yeah, yeah. You're in, you start off kind of thinking, well, how am I represent my, representing us to people who are not us? That's mm. the first level. And you're like, oh, I don't want them to think with this or that. Or I've got to speak up with it. Then you kind of get past that and go to, how am I, how am I doing by my own people, by us? Like, mm-hmm. Am I giving them what they need? And then I think a helpful bridge for me was thinking more just, what, what would I make for my own 18-year-old self? Mm. you know bring it back to something more personal and and now I, i'm grateful to say i'm in a place where i'm more just like following my creative curiosity because i think that that knowing that you know you might have a large community's eyes or hopes on you it, it's an amazing jet fuel you know um but it's not a good gps mm. you know? oh, i think oh, it's yeah. a good jet, i yeah. think it's no, that an makes sense, yeah. force you know it, it when you lose confidence in yourself, it's good to believe in something bigger than and other than yourself. Yeah. So it can mm-hmm. give you that. But in terms of which direction should I go, you've got to follow your curiosity as an artist, yeah. I, I think. Yeah. Well yeah. put. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, well, going off of what you're saying, you know, going off of that, um, you know, within the Asian community, uh, I'm, I'm Filipino myself, and, you know, we are seeing a lot of representation on the Asian and the Asian American front. Uh, I, I, but oftentimes within communities, maybe not even just the Asian community, but also Latinx, even the black community, you know, um, there's silos, right? When it comes to Asian narratives, we are often, people automatically go to East Asian, which is fine. You know, I love my East Asian brothers and sisters. South Asian, Southeast Asians tend to be left out of the conversation more often than not. Um, they don't think of us as Asians. Um, and, you know, we are put into these silos, and I think oftentimes colorism plays, I think, a part of that. Um, like, within your experience and, you know, from the beginning to now, and even just talking with your own Asian peers, South Asian peers, and people in, I guess, in London and in America, how do you see that changing? Do you think it's a problem? You know, I, oftentimes, I, I'll be honest, I think our community is fractured, but no one really wants to say anything. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what, are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it reminds me of that thing where like people, people love going to Indian restaurants in, uh, in London and in the UK, right? It's our national dish is curry. Yeah. Also, those restaurants aren't Indian, bro. 
<laughs> they've had to brand themselves as Indian yeah. restaurants to get people through the door. They're Bangladeshi or they're Pakistani, you know, like 90% of those Indian restaurants in the UK, basically. And it just reminds you of that interesting thing of like, um, you know, uh, how, how, how to sometimes to kind of get things going, we need to use these quite broad labels. And then once we're in there, we can kind of start getting more specific and granular about stuff. Um, and it reminds me of that a little bit when we're seeing, you know, I guess, I mean, even just the term Asian is a nonsensical. So you're talking about a label that takes in the Russian caucuses, you know, mm -mm. the Middle East, uh, you know, Sri Lanka, uh, you know what I mean? Thailand, yes. China, like what? Singapore, there's, Malaysia, there's, like, there's so much. These labels mean nothing, right? And ultimately, I think the stronger stories are the ones that lean into the hyper-specificity of the, of the character's experience. And when they do that, the reason we relate to them isn't because I didn't relate to the farewell because, uh, you know, I'm Chinese. I relate to it because of its honesty, right. because mm -hmm. of its specificity. When I'm listening to Kendrick Lamar talk about Compton, I don't relate to it because I grew up in Compton. I, I relate to the honesty within it. And so, yeah, I think it, 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 the, the way we need to go is to embrace the kind of micro specificity of all these different experiences. Now, do I think that there's a way to go? Yes, this is, a, this is an endless kind of journey, yeah, right? To, to stretch culture to its like, and just to continue to stretch it um, till we can all see ourselves in it. But um, I do think that it's a win for it's a win for me as a British Pakistani Muslim when you have uh, you know John Boyega cast in Star Wars, you know, mm -hmm. and it's and it's a win for you as as a, as a Filipino man, you know what I mean? If yeah, uh, yeah. you know I get cast in it, or is it you yeah, know, <laughs> yeah, 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 it has, to, it has to. We have to look at it that way because otherwise. And I think this is a issue sometimes on woke Twitter and mm. you know identity politics on steroids is this idea of like of just we're just dividing ourselves. We're yeah. doing the job for them. You know what I mean? Like mm. dominant culture, dominant culture is presents itself as a monolith. And those of us who are trying to break that break that down, you know, we do have a united struggle. We do need to root for each other. Yeah. You know, as much as we need to be cognizant of our differences and fight for different specific experiences coming to the fore i have to believe and i want to believe that it's a win for all of us when we stretch culture one way or another oh, so yeah. it's, it's, it's a tricky thing because yes solidarity but also let's not lose the specificity of, of, of our differences yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, always yeah. a tricky balance it is mm -hmm. it is yeah uh, um i want to talk about uh sound of metal um you so so the, the movie is coming out uh will be out in uh december this weekend actually um, um, I, it's, so you play, obviously you play Ruben, who is a, uh, drummer who is start experiencing, uh, drastically, drastic hearing loss. Um, and, and, and it was so, it was so uniquely done because I felt like I was, I was you, like, I felt mm -hmm. like I was experiencing what your character was experiencing, the way the sound techniques that, uh, Darius, uh, the director used, um, even with, um, 
the the way we saw the subtitles. I, there, I, I noticed in the beginning there weren't any subtitles, and I assumed that because it was because you were so new to this community. Your your character was so new to this community that you know obviously you hadn't you didn't know the language at that point. And I and I just thought it was so interesting to really it really took us through the experience. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, your character's experience. So I want to ask you. So what attracted you uh, to this to this project? You know, I didn't realize just how much of a first person movie it would be, which yeah. is what you're describing, right? The way it's shot is so intimate, it's often shot in close up, it's got this observational documentary feel. We, you know, we shot it chronologically, we only had one or two takes oh. on the scene. So we were really living through it in, in sequence. Yeah. Um, but the sound design is yeah. kind of a unique endeavor. Right. They've, they've basically, you know, normally when you shoot a scene, the sound recorders will come on set and say, let's do a wild track, which means just repeat all the dialogue just without filming, you know, on camera, just repeat on audio the dialogue in case there was a, a bus driving past and we get all the lines clean. Um, on this film, after every scene, the sound designer, Nicola Becker, who did Gravity, would be on set and he placed this kind of crazy contraption, this like hexagon from space, it looked like, and he put it against my chest and um, he'd say, blink. And he'd say, lick your lips, inhale, hold your breath so I can hear your heartbeat, mm. exhale, now swallow. The entire audio landscape of Sound of Metal was made up from my internal bodily processes. Wow. And the reason for that is when you lose your external hearing, you maintain a lot of your, in, your bodily vibrational hearing yeah. and your internal wow. processes go up in the sound mix of your, of your brain. And so he's, Darius has done a lot of really bold things to put you right there in the in the in the driver's seat with Ruben um and, but I didn't know any of that when I was taking the role on the, the thing that attracted me to it was three things first the script was amazing and then I realized oh yeah this is the guy who wrote on Blue Valentine and plays Beyond yeah. the Pines mm -hmm. of course it's going to be amazing mm -hmm. and it was Darius himself just an absolute king just like the sweetest in, most inspirational leader just leads by example as a risk taker you know, and if you, and he's just going to be such a tremendous voice in cinema. This is his first film. Right. And the third thing that really got me going kind of perversely was he just threw down a challenge on our first meeting said, you know, whoever's going to play this role, they'd have to learn the drums. Yeah. Mm -hmm. have to learn sign language <laughs> for real. Cause I don't want to fake anything. I mm -hmm. want it to be a real gig in a real club with a real audience. And, and I was just looking, I kind of look for things that would overwhelm me and throw me off balance. Because then I, I can't, when I'm not in control, I think that's when interesting things happen. Mm. And so I said, let's do it. And that challenge of learning the drums, learning sign language every day for seven months was one of the scariest things I've done, one of the hardest things I've mm. done. But it was also one of the most tremendous privileges of my career to be welcomed into deaf culture and to learn American sign language. Um, and so, you know, it turned out that the challenge is often end up being a gift, you know, and that's what my character Ruben discovers. Yeah. 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 How long did it take you to pick up um, the drumming and, and the sign language? Well, I was just, uh, you know, the lifelong things. I could keep doing them forever. Um, you don't get to an yeah. end point, but I had seven months. Okay. Every day for seven months. My drum teacher, Guy Licata, oh, yeah. and my, um, my sign instructor and friend, um, Jeremy Stone. Mm. Um, so it was just like, you know, few hours with them every day it was, it was just like a full-time thing it was like nine to five and drumming and signing drumming and yeah. signing and um and i gotta say man that like 
I don't know if you guys have you have you had ever had any experience of signing or anything or I learned a little bit uh, like I, I, yeah I mean, me too school, they gave us they made us learn the letters but I've never yeah. Really, yeah I didn't really pick up yeah yeah, well, yeah. I, and we we recently had um uh, Niall DeMarco on who, who yeah, was, Niall DeMarco, uh, yeah, yeah 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 on, on our podcast and it was our first uh, our first deaf um guest and we had like a whole video and we, it was very different or try to make it as deaf friendly as possible and we were we learned a lot just learned from, a like, lot talking and, to someone from yeah. the deaf. yeah even That's watching his say, rapper's yeah. reality show um he has a reality show called deaf you on netflix and and just watching that learn i learned so much about deaf. like I, I didn't even i didn't even know like your i know your character goes through um um i don't know if i should spoil it but like there's oh, a no, it's fine <laughs> there's an argument there's, a, there's sort of an, not an argument but maybe like a, a point made about yeah about yeah. here about um deaf culture. yeah exactly mm -hmm. so it, it was very interesting i didn't you know yeah well that's what i was gonna say is that when, when i was asking you guys just now is like i've just learned so much yeah and mm -hmm. i've learned above all that for many deaf people deafness is not a disability yeah it's a culture and it's yeah culture. that's yeah rich and diverse and it's a way of being and some people believe in cochlear implants and some people don't some people get them and then regret it and some people get them and it changes their life and for many people deafness is not a thing to be fixed mm -hmm. you know and that's a very ableist kind of perspective actually this idea of like looking to fix something always looking to get a fix yeah and it ties in really with ruben's history of addiction as the character yeah he's trying to get fixed it's it's the addictive personality that he has and that we have as a society really of you know instant gratification trying to get a fix trying to fix things as opposed to accepting things accepting. You know? yeah. and, and and kind of and looking for the gift in them yeah um and and i think that's a lot of what this what this movie's um about really it's about kind of yeah how we how we deal with change mm -hmm. and whether and, and really asking a big question i know you know this podcast a lot of it's about identity is what is our identity really mm. you know you know if i thought deafness was a disability and i realized it's not it's a culture and that's an identity right but then if deafness is something that you might gain as an identity later in life then then what is your fundamental identity you know like over the oh, course of the film ruben goes from being a punk drummer in a relationship who lives in an RV to like living in a deaf sober house in the woods sp speaking ASL yeah. and like not being in a relationship and he's the same guy yeah it kind mm -hmm. of means that a lot of the labels that we think define us are that's not you know that's not who we really are deep down yeah. you know and I think that's interesting uh, as a story to tell in these times yeah definitely. Oh, yeah. yeah how uh I mean, I played set for a minute. Like I, I played drum set for like, cause I was in drum line and I was just like, I'm gonna learn to play set. It that coordinating my, you know, the one and two and then like the bass, it, it, it took a lot out of me. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm fine without doing this. But how was it like entering, you know, drum playing set? And do you have experience playing set? Before? No, or, I, or, I, yeah. I, I, I didn't have any drumming experience, which is why I was, it was it was an intense process, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but it was kind of crazy because I feel like the, both the drums and American Sign Language is both nonverbal communication. Mm. You know, yeah. and I'm someone who plays a lot with words as a rapper and spoken word artist. So having that crutch taken from me, it forced me to be in my body in a different way. 
you know, mm -hmm. and um, both, and actually with the, with the, they both kind of shaped the performance, but shaped me as a person. You know, my, my drum teacher would tell me, stop thinking. You can't think your way to play in this. Your mind won't be as quick as your body. You've got to surrender to the rhythm of it and you've got to let it play you, which is just like acting really. Yeah. You know, you go in with the plans, you try and control it, it's gonna come off dead. You gotta let it let the scene tell you who you are. You don't tell the scene what it what it is, you know. And 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 similarly with ASL, I kind of feel like it just changed me so much because it was like, you know, Jeremy, my sign instructor told me that there's this there's a saying in the deaf community that hearing people are emotionally repressed. And the reason for that is because we hide behind words. Oh, we use words as a mask. <laughs> yes. Whereas and I, I was like, okay, that's interesting. And then when I started becoming more fluent in ASL, I found myself um, getting really emotional talking about certain things in a way I wouldn't if I was just speaking. Mm. And, and that's because you are inhabiting your body and communicating with your whole body yeah. in a totally different way. You know, um, and so I guess what I'm getting at is as much as, yes, it was, it was a challenge. I didn't have experience in either of them. And it, it was a tremendous gift, you know, at the end, at the end of this process of give, connecting me more to my, my, myself and my body as, as an actor and, a, and as, a, as a human. And, and, I, and I hope that if people hear about my preparation process for this, rather than think about like, oh, that must have been really difficult. They think, man, that's cool. I'm going to learn American right. Sign Language. Yeah. You know? It's an amazing yeah, yeah. gift at the end of that. Right. So did you buy a set? Uh, and <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing you're going to continue. Are you going to continue? I Darius's son's drum kit, man. Do you still practice? No, I don't practice the drums. My neighbors will thank me. That's very true. That's very true. That's the yeah. thing as an actor. You learn these, you step into a life, you learn these skills. And then just when you think, I'm going to keep that up, boom, you've got to change gear and go into the next yeah. thing. But so I'm sure, I think like, sometimes. I think being so immersed in like cult, in like a, in, the, in like the music world, like I remember things that I played in high school in drumline. Like if, if a drum was put in front of me, I could probably play it still. It's kind of like embedded in like me. Like a muscle, yeah. It's like yeah, a, it's a muscle. It's like, I mean, I'm, I'm sure like further down the road, it's like, oh, Hey Riz, play the drums at a party. <laughs> yeah. You'll be all nah, nah, nah. then you'll, you'll just like break it down. <laughs> like, how did I do that? <laughs> It'll be like an expert. Um, like, how do I have these powers? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so like you, you've you've had a very diverse um, resume of movies. You know, from Nightcrawler to The Night of. You were in Girls. Rogue One, which is honestly one of my favorite Star Wars uh, <laughs> movies, and and then Venom, and then now Sound of Metal. Um, you've it's like you you sh you pivot so much to like these very interesting roles when you are choosing projects or when you're just like people come to you or if you're just like looking for something to do. Um, do you have like a, a rubric? Do you have an an agenda that sound makes it making it sound very you know hardcore but like how i guess just how do you go about choosing your projects and like um stepping into them yeah what interests you yeah i guess yeah. you know you have to end up developing a rubric even if it's not explicit it kind of is somewhere there in the back of your mind and for me that the, the mantra has been does it stretch me and does it stretch culture mm. you know mm -hmm. am i 
am I scared by this? Am I going to grow new muscles from doing this? Okay, and that's cool. And does it stretch culture? And stretching culture doesn't necessarily mean it has to be like standing on a soapbox, waving a fist, telling you about like, you know, you know, the, the, the alternate history of, 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 you know, whatever. It's uh, yeah, yeah. It, actually just me and a rom-com can stretch culture, actually. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like um, yeah. just something that's shot in a really dope way can stretch culture. Something that brings more of the deaf community on screen in an authentic way and allows them to represent themselves, you know, can stretch culture. And so I kind of think a lot about just that, like, and, and usually the thing I find is the two things overlap. Yeah. Now, if it's something mm. that I, we haven't seen before, it's probably something I haven't done before, mm. you know? And yeah. so the two things tend to overlap. And, and the other thing I find is that both those things will also often lead to something that can be quite engaging for audiences, you know? Yeah. Audiences want to see stuff they haven't seen before. They want to, you know, see performers go to new places. So yeah. that's the kind of thing I, I try and think about more than um, what do people want? Yeah. Or what might be yeah. a good move, you know? Right. Right. Um, mm, mm, mm. Yeah. It makes sense. Is there is there a role or a, a genre that you haven't tackled yet that you that you are wanting to? You know, I don't know if I want to tackle this, but it occurred to me the other day that there's two things I haven't done, and just for that reason, I should probably try and f explore them. One of them is horror. Mm. Oh, like, dope! <laughs> I can't imagine how like intense it must be to be in horror. Like. Yeah. Mm to constantly be in that place. Like that must be yeah. the most stressful mm. shit ever. So I, that's one thing that I'm interested in, in kind of, uh, actually, I don't even know if I'm interested in doing it, but I, I know I haven't gone to that place. Yeah. Thing, <laughs> although, you know what? That's just not lie because Mogul Mowgli has kind of horror. Um, no, I was going to say, I haven't done a horror and I haven't done a musical. And actually someone described Mogul Mowgli to me the other day as a as a horror as a as a Sufi horror musical. Oh shoot! And I was <laughs> okay, like, well, I'm sold. <laughs> I, like, I guess there are musical elements and horror elements in it. Oh, nice. um, but no, I guess I, 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 one thing I'd like to get back to a bit more is comedy. You know, mm. I really enjoyed doing some comedy earlier on in my career, and, and enjoyed doing Girls. And um, you know, I was really grateful to do Four Lions with Jesse Armstrong, who wrote Succession yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, many years ago. And I'd like to kind of get back to doing some comedy just because a is so much fun but b it really is a a very technical skill right you know it's about mm -hmm. timing and about having the discipline to do nothing and, it, and yeah. i find it kind of keeps you sharp doing comedy yeah yeah i always say comedy looks like it's a lot harder to to do than the drama yeah it's I, more I, I, it's it, a different discipline i think yeah. it takes it takes a different kind of speed and a different kind of technical thing i think yeah um whereas i think with drama which is different different i guess i don't know if it's more difficult but it's difficult in another way in that you've got to go to the place emotionally right right, right. Um, yeah i don't know it's it's yeah yeah i don't know i feel like it's like sushi versus like casserole you know one is about <laughs> yeah soaking, <laughs> soaking in the juices for ages and the other one's like precision and getting the exact balance yeah comedy is just like it, it fascinates me and like how funny people could be and i took one improv class before and i'm like oh i do not know how 
these these like brilliant people think on their feet like that and are so witty and snappy with their comebacks and I'm here like all uh I don't know <laughs> inspired comedians like I it's one, that's one thing that I'm like I wish I had a funny bone um I think that's how <laughs> come in handy in life Um, so Riz, before we wrap up, um, this has been a great conversation, by the way. Um, yeah. So, but before we wrap up, we like to end with this segment we call the facts or the FAQs. Just, just random fun questions. <laughs> uh, no pressure. <laughs> so for the first question, if you can choose another in instrument to learn, what would it be? Um, it would probably be uh, piano. Yeah. Because it's oh. great grounding for everything and then, yeah. I'd, li I'd like to be able to produce my own beats. Mm. Nice, 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 nice. Um, have you picked up any new hobbies during the past nine months of all of what's been going on? Yeah, I've been growing plants, you know. Oh, oh nice. nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I've been wanting to start doing that, growing a garden. Very therapeutic, I think. Yeah. And, and just, just a little bit of joy every day, just keeping yeah. something alive. And um, yeah, so plants. Yeah, I just bought my first yeah. plant too, so. I, <laughs> I am horrible at taking care of plants, even I with succulents. I believe in you. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I managed to kill succulents one day. I had no idea I, I could do that. <laughs> okay, if we asked your friends and family, what is Riz's worst habit? What, what would they say? Worst habit, oh my God. Um, probably that i just do too much mm. oh <laughs> I, need I need to just chill i need to just chill mm. get more rest yeah just slow down a little bit um yeah that's what they probably say mm. okay um here here's a hypothetical um let's say tomorrow a huge studio comes to you and says we are giving you an unlimited budget to direct and star in a biopic of anyone you want, who would it be? Woo! <laughs> anyone I want. Wow. So, but I, it would be someone I have to be able to play. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or yeah. Direct uh, and star and produce. Why not? <laughs> you know, interestingly, I think that um, this is just what's kind of popping into my head at this moment right now. Mm. But I think the history of the moguls is a really interesting history. It's one I've become increasingly interested in as someone from South Asia because the Mughal Empire was a quarter of all the world's wealth before the British went, mm. to, went to India. And this was a multicultural empire, multi-religious, multi-ethnic, you know, one of the most richest and technologically advanced in the world. It's like we're talking about, you know, 13, 1500s. And uh, yeah, I guess maybe uh, Babur, you know, who... Uh, who kind of founded that Mughal dynasty yeah. or Akbar, who was at the peak of that dynasty. That could be a really interesting story to tell, man. You get mm, yeah. yeah. Wear lots of amazing costumes, build the Taj Mahal, all of that. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. definitely. Uh, okay, I'm going to switch it up uh, from a question. What are, your, <laughs> what, are your, what are your top three albums? Yes. Ooh, top three albums, that's yeah. hard. Um, okay, most dev black on both sides. <laughs> you know, we already touched on that. Four Hero, Creating Patterns. We already touched on that. And the third one, maybe... Oh, 
God, let me think. This is so hard. This is such a mean question. <laughs> <laughs> Only three. <laughs> Only three. I, I could have given you, you know five. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, Michael Jackson's "Bad." Mm. You know, that's I a good one. On that. Just grew up on it, and it was just kind of defined my kind of childhood in in, yeah. in, in in a way. You know, it's just got amazing tracks on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watershed out. Wait, what about you, Amanda? What is what, what, what's your what, what, what? Do you have no, a top I, one? I, I Whitney Houston. I can't think of the Bodyguard album was. Uh, um, the soundtrack is amazing. I like soundtracks. Waiting to Exhale soundtrack was amazing. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think Drake. And honestly, I, I'm a huge Drake fan. I would say yeah. like, I can't even choose which one is my favorite album. I honestly always like all his stuff. But so I would just say top yeah. three is Drake. Because all of his stuff. <laughs> That's your Drake, choice. Drake and Whitney Houston. <laughs> Drake ever releases the greatest hits, how many CDs would that be? I honestly, I was it thinking- It would be I a lot. <laughs> I was like, Drake has singles after singles after singles. I'm like, what? It would be a box set, a box <laughs> set of greatest hits. That's what it would be. <laughs> yeah, mine is like, I think it, like I, I recently did, you know how Spotify does the whole, oh, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. what you listen for year, the year, yeah. like the wrap up. Um, mine continues and continuously is Miseducation of Lauryn yeah. Hill. <laughs> it always oh, is. And I'm like, good album. I should have chosen that. That's such a good album. Yeah. A full time. Well, we'll let you have that one too, Riz. We'll let you put that on your list. <laughs> um, so our, our last question is, you kind of answered this already, but feel free to add more. Right. Uh, is there an underrepresented voice in the industry, whether it's an actor, writer, producer, creator, that is not in the mainstream? you think people need to know and deserves more shine from the industry? Wow. Um, I mean, I think there's just an amazing crop of new talent kind of coming through, um, South Asian talent that, that, that I'm aware of, and I'm lucky to have collaborated with a little bit. And one of them is the director of a short film, you know, Anil Karia, his baby feature, um, Surge to, um, Sundance, uh, Sheer and, and won the best actor award for the mate, you know, for the incredible Ben Wigel. And, um, uh, it's a it's a really really like yeah I think it's just a matter of time before people know his name um, and similarly I think Basam Tariq who directed Mogul Mowgli and who co-wrote it with me um, such a distinctive voice and something he always thinks about isn't just like how do we make this good but like how do we how do we create contribute to the language of cinema how do we bring in Asian South Asian Islamic art influences um you know, mythology into the way we tell stories on film. Mm. Um, so he's someone who's always kind of trying to kind of almost grow the medium of film by bringing our heritage to the table. Mm. So I think Basam and Anil are, are two people that that uh, ones to watch for sure. Yeah, sh shout out oh. to them. And thank you again, Riz, for being yes, here. Yes, Riz. This Sound was metal is a great conversation for real. Right, Amazon on the 4th. Um, Everybody should watch it. It is it is very touching. It is informative. You definitely you definitely learn something new, which is what I love when I experience films. So yeah. congrats yeah. and thanks again. Yeah, thank you, Riz. Thanks so much, guys.